here we go, y'all. All the way live. We got Lieutenant Brotherton in the house. We down in Dallas Basin. All the way back from China. Ready to win tonight. Tune in. Help us share this around. We ain't playing about it. Here we come, y'all. Skittlebop. Bam. Let's get it. <laughs> That's when I should have some music locked and loaded. I always feel like uh, we need a we need a theme song that we have here, Andrew. And I'm going to flip the... Uh, flip us over if I can do that. So tonight is a great night. We've got uh, Lieutenant Brotherton of the Lexington Police Department and welcome to our humble basement studio. Glad to have you here. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And you and I initially met back in the day. It was this summer. It was I, I think it was the Gay Pride Parade. Uh, was Pride Fest. Pride that Fest. sounds right. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so uh, we started talking with you, and I put a little clip on there, and what was funny was uh, <laughs> there was a, a group protesting over on the side, and they were bashing drums and everything, right. and it was like, so wow. there, Yeah, the church preacher, the guy there, yep. who's um, certainly not there to support Pride Fest, and then the folks who were right. counter-protesting right. him, if you will. It was very, oh, what? It, it was they had a, a counter-protest during this? Well, it was really oh, wow. more. It's really more the guy who's there. Um, yeah, yelling at members yeah. of the gay community, and then folks who are more supportive of Pride Fest were there yeah. being critical of him. Yeah, which, <laughs> I, I mean, it's one of those things. It's like, oh, there's going to be a crowd. I, I get to put my right. thing. And, and you, uh, as the police, it's like there are so many of these events that do go wrong without, well, sure. a, without a presence. It's like you get a people a little hot, and sometimes they're almost relying on, oh, there's the police. I know this... I can say the things I want to say, and this isn't going to go any further. Well, right. And and so there are several things to kind of go off topic a little bit. We, I, at, I guess it would have been 2016 Pride, I had already planned on having a table there because we had, re, Kentucky had recently passed legislation giving protection order benefits and domestic violence protection benefits to all couples, not just heterosexual or couples right. who live together. And so I had already planned on having a table at Pride Fest to kind of say, hey, here's what the law is now. We want everyone to know the protection. And also, um, as an agency as a whole, the chief is certainly behind this. And I personally, it's it's heartbreaking to me to think of someone who is the victim of a sexual assault or partner violence who right. doesn't call their, the police because they're worried how they're going to be treated. So it was about... Right doing outreach, and then Orlando happened. Oh, that was right after that? That was right after, it was right after we had had the meetings planning to be there, but before Pride happened. So that, of course, caused more of a presence. But no, the reality of it is the discourse in America is so polarized now that any time that we are going to have any sort of a public gathering in Lexington, especially anything that has any sort of a a message that could be considered in the slightest sense as political. Right. We're going to have a presence there because what we want, and by we, I mean the Lexington Police Department, we want everyone to have a good time. We want everyone to be safe. And when you have the the street corner preacher out there who's certainly giving a message counter to what Pride Fest is all about, we have a role to mm. ensure that that person's First Amendment rights are protected. Absolutely. And, okay. and also to protect the folks who want to protest that, that their First Amendment rights yeah. are protected, that their First Amendment rights are protected. Yeah, I definitely come down on that side of things. I like to hear, I like to see a discussion, especially when it's um, 
there was a gentleman down there that we talked with, totally different opinion, but he was also somebody that you could have a great conversation with. And it was like, this is fantastic. And then when you see on the news, people chasing each other down the streets, right. it's like, what, what, where have we gone? What, right. Cause there is no discussion. And I think, right. and, and for us, I mean, I think it is prior to, well, after Charlottesville, and then when the discussion started happening about our Confederate statues, what was right. going to happen? There were a lot of folks who were concerned, would there be a safe place for them to counter protest should white nationalists or whomever come and protest the removal of the statues. Yeah. And so part of my job as a lieutenant, especially a lieutenant in central sector, is to go out and meet with members of the community because we don't believe that we can truly obtain legitimacy without transparency. And that can't happen without conversations. And that's kind of yeah. sitting here. No, and, and so right. glad it, it was. And I totally understand when we were asking you, it's, uh, check first uh, to make sure it's okay with uh, on you know with your department sure. to come out and make sense and but to see yeah hey that's great to come yep. and uh, because I, one of the things I talked with you at, at, I had asked you the question I said well um, talking about heroin and does this bother you that it's increased and all these things and you said an interesting thing it, it, the gist of it was is that well I'm here I'm a police officer. This is, I'm doing it, you know, and it's kind of like whether that's, people need help with that or with the parade people protesting or things like that. It's your job and you enjoy doing it. And so we focus a lot on the, the recovery community, but it's, it's, I think it's great to understand that there's so many things going on uh, with being a police officer. It's not, it's just... Uh, there's a lot that you deal with on top of on top of that. Well, and you know when you're kind of asking, what do I think? Well, what I think is irrelevant. It's when I'm standing there at Pride Fest and I have two op- opposing voices. Mm. Uh oh, my ready to be popping. <laughs> so no, my personal belief when I'm a police lieutenant up there wow. is really irrelevant. I right. have a job to be there to protect First Amendment rights. Like and running ensure- a business, you can't take sides. Yeah. Huh? And, Come on. And it's, no, it's, <laughs> and, and that's the reality. And so some of yeah. these questions that I'm sure we'll get into, yes, talking about recovery and substance abuse and public funds and things like that. Right. I can kind of talk about some of that stuff and some of the things that we see, but penalties for heroin use, mm, um, the Good Samaritan law, things like that. That's not for me to weigh in on. Real quick, and that's real a, good, quick. a good point to say just, and I'll throw away real quick, uh, it, <laughs> Lieutenant Brotherton, <laughs> Matt is not talking for the police department tonight. Well, I, I uh, am. Well, I, okay, I am then de- he is. This well, is even better. I, I am very <laughs> much <laughs> a, I am very much a representative of the police it's department. On the record, yes, we signed him in right before. Yeah, no, I mean, this is, I'm not, I'm here in uniform. I'm not awesome. here. So. Help and, share this around, guys. Teddy Milton on the and, mic, and he does uh-huh. he does bring candy in his uh, pockets if your children we, are looking for some candy. That sounded very kind. that sounded super inappropriate. <laughs> that was <laughs> weird, dude. That's that's and please. He, that's on Dallas. And he guys. drives a big van without <laughs> yeah. windows. Oh gosh, <laughs> we got right. Teddy Milton on the mic. I remember me telling you about Teddy before we started. Yes, that's my dude. I love Teddy. Bill Jarvis, Kelly Boston, Isaiah House Action, Joseph Brooks. Love you, man. Uh, some real serious. If you got some questions, yeah. guys, uh, uh, you know, do your part. Share this around. Uh, 
comment. Uh, Matt's ready, man. He, he's, yeah. he's strapped and ready. You hear me? Real I mean, out. He's been real helpful. At uh, He's brought information with him uh, tonight. And it's just one of those things. I know there's a lot of questions, especially in a city. It's like, what is... What's the backstory? What's going on? Because it's not every day that you see it. Unless you uh, may know the person who overdosed, you may not know. Or overdose is on the rise, and you may see a story here or there. But uh, in in your capacity, you're on the job. Uh, you're not working every day. I assume you're you're not a robot. You get a day off here or there. Uh, but you're there all the time. Right. And, and, and I am also, not only am I... I'm not necessarily there all the time, but in the patrol function, we are the 24-hour mm. service to the community. We're service. people always expect 911 that yeah. when they call it, someone's going right. to answer. And look, are are we facing the same challenges that a lot of communities are? That the public sector, you're always going to have understaffing. We're never going to have right. the people that we really feel like we should. But that's because. The, there you are know, limits. The, yeah, it, it's a zero-sum game. It's a fixed piece of pie. But Right. If it, only you guys brought in income. Right. You need to really up your uh, <laughs> your but, ticketing. But, right. But, it's, um, <laughs> but none of that money goes to us. <laughs> okay. um, but no, it's is as in patrol, we are there 24 hours, right, right. seven days a week. And so... Yeah, I knew your guys shift changed and everything when I was out in the madness. <laughs> yeah. No, I really did. No, no. I know folks who do to say no when so-and-so I knew, comes oh, on. well, shifts get rate changed. I better go up here and steal, you know, out of the store or whatever. Yeah. You know, because they'll be super busy changing shift. Well, it, and, get away and, and a relationship happens, right? I mean, as much as Lexington is a bigger city <laughs> yeah. than Paris, Kentucky, right. it's still folks who live in a neighborhood will do their dirt in a certain oh, yeah. part of it, the area. Yeah. And there will be several officers who work that area. So there's a constant contact. And, and there's yeah. that one neighbor that... That's sneaking and calling you guys, and y'all really know everything. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so, there are relationships that are built positive and negative. Yeah, and, and, why? You know, well, nothing's really negative if you're breaking the law. Uh, you know, I mean, if you're breaking the law, you're breaking the law. I mean, there's got to be something done. You know, eventually, uh, because with me, you know, I was I was out here shoplifting whatever it took to get one more to get more dope, and uh, and you know, I would to any means necessary. So sure. basically, I was killing myself slowly. Uh, you know, and, and I was rescued by being arrested, uh, but it took a long time to realize that. Um, real quick, Danny Conrad's on here. Roof gone bad. Call Conrad. You owe us for that one. Huh? Get me together, son. I'm sorry. I get off. <laughs> no, you're good. You got to keep the people happy. Woo, the people out there. I saw something in there. Somebody said, welcome back. It's great to be back. I should say that, that, uh, it was uh, tough being away, and I really did miss it. It uh, was a good trip. It was interesting. I was telling my wife, I was over in China, and I don't know what's going on there. Maybe maybe communism just is easier to clamp down on things. I hardly ever saw the police uh, or fire trucks, but they did have cameras everywhere. Right. And they would, like, give you a ticket, and you'd get it on your cell phone. <laughs> just, like, you'd be speeding in a section. It's like, boop, you just got a ticket. Oh, you got a ticket so, just like yeah, that? Yeah, just like that. It was, uh, it was wild. I, I, like, I like the game a little bit, where it's, uh, I can push it a little bit here. You know, sure. I can sure. nudge it five over. So, uh, Matt, why don't you tell us a, a little bit about yourself, just so people understand your background, because I think it flavors how you operate. So I moved to Lexington in 95 for school, 
um, came here for graduate school and then was fortunate enough to be hired by the police department in July of 98. I just hit 19 years. Wow. Congratulations. Well, thanks. Thanks. Um, One more year. And then if Luckily, our pension isn't tied to the state system. Oh my but, goodness! Um, Good move there. <laughs> so, so I had I was interested in different careers, and I was telling you all earlier I had a grandfather who had a farm machinery business. Then my grandparents lost a child; she was hit by a car. He ended up going into the clergy. Later, became an outpatient drug counselor. Wow! And as I was looking at careers, he said, "Look, just." decide whether what you want to do is make money for someone else or do you want to do your best to make the world he he had flavorful language but he said to make the world less crummy than it was right. when you started and i was fortunate enough to get hired by the police department i did a little bit of time on patrol in the east end, east end the working. bricks huh? always enjoyed it <laughs> the bricks yeah <laughs> had a lot of fun and um then i did 10 years in homicide wow got wow. promoted out of homicide was a patrol sergeant for a bit and patrol is the marked cars the uniform 911 your regular officers and then um i was the sergeant over crimes against children for a little wow. over 2 years then, that's that's and i'll pause there that's got to be tough well it was it, you know, for for my investigators, it was incredibly difficult. The more, the higher I get in, it's interesting yeah. as a lieutenant over patrol, I actually deal more hands on with the community than I did even as a sergeant over crimes against children because I had ah. detectives who worked for me. But it, a lot of it was very academic that they would send reports, we would discuss this or that. But I would I would do stuff occasionally, and then I was promoted to lieutenant in January of twenty fifteen. And the chief kept me, would that be right? 2015 kept me as the lieutenant over the special victim section. So then I was over the detectives who investigated physical and sexual abuse of children, mm. um, the internet pornography stuff, the right, guys right. watching child pornography, runaways, missing kids, wow. adult personal violence, adult sexual violence, human trafficking, vulnerable adult abuse. Yeah, I wanted to that say you had a blessed career until I heard all this. I would, no, I've, no, I've, I've be been tough. very fortunate. That's... I've gotten to work with a lot of great people and a lot of great well, community but also, partners. I, I look at it as we're talking about, you know, this is your career and these things. I, I see it as definitely as an asset is you've been in a lot of situations that bring your experience now to where you are. Well, ch- sure. I um, And... We also talked earlier about my view of policing in general, which is not as much of an anomaly as people would think it is from what they <laughs> see on TV or, you know, we, the big joke that we always have, well, I'll, I'll say what my view is and then I'll get to the big joke. My view is that you can't trust policing to a corporation. We have to have professional police. You have to have an organization to respond to murders, to respond to sexual assaults, and you can't trust it to a corporation. So I, so I come yeah. to it from very much a social service point of view of it, that it's the community pools, it's resources to have a, have a group of individuals who are out there dealing with the things that we as a community need to be able to deal with. You can't trust to the one rich guy. But, right. w- but what I was going to say is policing, just like so many other professions, suffers from the stereotypes. 
And the big joke we always have in the academy is no one ever calls the police to say, hey, I just got this brand new home theater system and I wanted to show it off. That really should be your next call to 911. But but no, what it is, is we get called, every officer, we spend our time going from call to call to call to call. And it is a call where it's gotten so bad someone called the police people at their worst right. or in their most needy right and, and you're... The, the vast majority of the population either number one has never had a need to call the police right or they've chosen not to on the flip side you know on the other end but yeah that's that's what the job is and and that's the type of person that I'm happy to have out there in the community. I mean, it really is. And and it's good to hear that you feel like that's more the way it is, is that that's the attitude. And, and I totally believe that. My dad is a reserve cop. He's been doing it for 30 years. Right. And uh, dad, wrap it up. You're an old man now. It's <laughs> let, yeah. the, let the younger guys at it, dad. And, <laughs> and, and and let me also say real quick, look, I'm not going to sit here and say we're perfect also. No, I'm not going to say not. that well, every cop is great. It, it must be frustrating when you see a situation where you're like, ugh, well, you know, that and, looks poorly and, upon and the, the thing, whole thing. The thing that one of my old mentors, Ken Armstrong, always would say is, I have difficulty defending the profession, but I will defend our agency. That I think we as in, I've been fortunate to travel and work with other agencies. And I'm always very proud of the officers that we have. Um, and now as management, I get to review all the body worn camera. Oh, and, really? And the number of times that I'll get a complaint and I am actually able to unfound the complaint. Oh, that must Because be good. I can review the footage and bring the person in and say, no, this isn't actually what happened. But I also, again, um, you know, it, Andrew seems really surprised that I'm no. willing to be here, but no, I, I, I know it's a but, big deal. I but, really am. But we, we as an agency, especially under Chief Barnard, truly believe in transparency. Yeah. And look, if if we can't answer the question, then maybe we should review what we're doing. I, I love it because it is one of those things where when you want to know something or you have a question, it's always tough and it's it's a challenge when somebody avoids it or doesn't want to answer it. And it's better to have a discussion and say, hey, because, uh, and, and I'll give a pass to everyone. I realize I'll call customer service and I'll be like, this is frustrating. I, I just flew into Dallas <laughs> and they canceled my flight because Lexington Airport was closed. So I slept in the airport. Right. That was not the person on the other end of the phone that I called. And it's, you kind of have to remind yourself when dealing with, whether it be the police and you're upset at something uh, you have to be, it, it's, I don't know what I'm saying. I rambled off there. Maybe I've been huffing paint. What are you doing? I don't bro? know. He's I've not, been doing things. Uh, well, so, but, well, but it is, uh, I, to talking about discussions, Yeah. when I'll sit with some community groups and they will oftentimes want these yes or no answers from me. Mm. And rarely is that something I'm able to give. One of the big debates, I was talking earlier about having a, a community meeting about should the white nationalists come to protest in force about the Confederate statues and, and folks in the East End and the Northside community were concerned about the Klan marching up through the neighborhood. And they were asking me, are y'all going to stop the Klan from marching north? 
And I, and I said, look, that, that's I can't give you a yes or no answer for that. If they are protesting in a certain space and we have lined up and created a wall to separate them from the counter protesters, we're not going to let them walk north from that. However, if a bunch of Klansmen show up at Thoroughbred Park and right. just decide to walk north, we can't stop them. Right. right. And so uh, this person was very unhappy that I wouldn't give a yes or no answer and interpreted that as a lack of commitment for safety for the people of Lexington. And that was very frustrating for me. Right. But but what I was trying to do is give a full scope of what we faced. Yeah, that's a real tough situation where you have a heated... Uh, and I can understand the passion. I wouldn't want somebody... It would be Absolutely. very upsetting if somebody came through the neighborhood and marched against whatever I'm a part of. That would be tough. Even right. though you realize this is free speech and it's all good, it's difficult and, right. and it's hot. And But yeah, you're in the tough position of saying, I defend the right to protest free speech and all of that. And and we want to do it in a safe way. Right. And, and, and that's again, not always a yes or no. And, and so what we're going to do is we're going to, I'm going to take advantage of every resource we have available to keep everyone safe, right. to prevent people from breaking law. We're not going to let people start a riot, things like that. Good deal. But if, if folks- So you'll start taking them to jail if they get out of hand. Well, if they are in violation of the law, Booyah. then we will apply the applicable <laughs> laws. <laughs> right, right. So. But no, and I'm saying because, and like you said earlier, uh, and I'm going to say like a business, uh, if I'm running a business, I can't take sides. Uh, kind of like, you right. know, and regardless of how I feel, I got to take me out of the way and be a professional, right? Am I, Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Because uh, you are protect and serve. That's... Absolutely. So we, we come here today, and one of the topics we talk about is whether it be crime, uh, we talk about prison. What do we talk about, man? We talk about a little everything. We talk a little bit about everything, dealing with uh, those things, um, and addiction yeah, and, and recovery. And that's what I really want to get into, uh, if that's cool with you guys. I mean, yes. it's bad, right? I mean, people are dying. You know, I, people know my story. I was a $2 crackhead needle junkie. All right, uh, you know, my, my first belt was crack was my drug of no choice. What I mean, my no choice, I couldn't stop no matter what. Right. Um, but it wasn't that physical thing, you know. I, you guys would lock me up. I could go in and go to sleep and sleep for a week, you know. Uh, this heroin, when I got on heroin, um, y'all would put, I would go to jail, and I couldn't sleep. Uh, restless leg syndromes. I was I could I couldn't hold my. You hear me? You, right. On right. myself. You hear me? Uh, just going indigestion. The, okay, <laughs> we'll call it that. I call it something else, but you're here tonight. I'm about I, I tell my wife my Thank stomach doesn't there. feel good, and she gets the whole picture. Right, yeah, but no, is. and you know, being locked, I've been locked up with two of my two of my four sons. You know, one's only four and a half months old, uh, trying to do something different today. You know, uh, and my son Jordan had to uh, when I was locked up. We were in the same unit right here in Fayette County. Uh, you know, had to uh, make me eat. Had to right. make me up and walk. You know. The heroin, I mean, you know. It, it, it's a different addiction. It, it is. It physiologically is different. And, you know, just it's crazy. And the insanity behind that, I detox in jail, right? So so I'm good. And get back out and do the same shit. Right. You know, and that's why I think that where the treatment and, and get some tools, 
Thank God for the Hope Center inside the Fayette County Detention Center. The door's locked. That's where I went through it. I couldn't go to Loudon. The door stayed open. Huh? <laughs> yes, I needed some time, baby. <laughs> oh, God is good. But, you know, and that's real. And then and, and what, what are we doing right now, uh, you know, about it? I mean, what, what would you suggest? Oh, well, I, you know, I'm not a, I, I, I can tell you what we see. I can tell you what yeah. we deal with, but policy suggestions, those are, right, okay. as they say, above my pay grade. That's for, you, your ele- <laughs> that's for your elected officials. Oh, to decide. Oh, oh, oh. What, what would, so did you work last night? Yes, I did. did no, you, no, I didn't. Or the last night you worked, did you have any drug-related so, activity? So I have 30 officers who work under my command and four sergeants. And that is the second shift central sector officers. Now, what is central sector? Central sector is essentially, let's imagine the city of Lexington is a big circle. Now now imagine it's a donut, if I may (laughs) indulge my, (laughs) indulge a cliche and use a donut donut. metaphor. (laughs) So if you imagine inside of New Circle, but north of campus. So central sector, we have... Lee's Town, take it out all the way to New Circle, take New Circle around down to Tate's Creek, bring Tate's mm. Creek in, and mm. that's central sector. Wow. So my sector, or my shift, I am the second shift lieutenant, so four in the afternoon to two in the morning, those are my officers. Central sector gets more calls every month than east or west. Wow. So think about geographically the size yeah. and the population, comparatively speaking. So we are the highest volume sector. We also so to ask your answer your yeah. question about drug related calls. Absolutely, every officer, I'll have anywhere between eleven and eighteen officers working on a given night, and generally every night one of those officers will have a call that is drug related. Now, the vast majority of them are that we're dealing with right now are the opiates, but we mm-hmm. also deal with a significant number of folks who are using the synthetic cannabinoids, Serenity Ren, whatever oh, you wow. want to call That's it. Making them batshit crazy. So we have we have person down calls. Yes, of course. Wow. Do you know this officer? Uh, well, where'd it go? Can you read that one? Do we have one on there? Uh, I'm looking. The it's show. Officer Corey the Bear no, Walcott. No, no, no Lee, different uh, one. Stiltner. Lee Stiltner. Officer Donovan Donovan Gritter. Gritter. Donovan Gritter. I'm yeah. fortunate to have all Donovan Gritter be one of my officers. Lee, Lee he says that he's he, one of mine. Lee says that he saved his life. Right. That that well, it, Donovan is a uh, yeah. he is a genuine asset to the agency. I'm proud to have him working with me. That's awesome. He's a great guy. Awesome, awesome stuff. So, uh, so I mean, this is he, he recently went through field training officer school. So he now, when recruits get out of the academy, they then go ride with officers to learn uh, how to. Right, so he right. is now also training a recruit Gosh. to paying be an forward, officer. Paying it forward. That would be an eye-opening. And, and I had talked about doing a ride-along, and I haven't done it yet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but yeah, he knows. He's like, yeah, I know you haven't signed up for that. I've, I've seen your commitment to this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's getting Woo! put in. It's getting put in. Uh, but he – but. Uh, that would be eye-opening coming from – I come from a small community, 
And when I would go on a ride along with my dad, nothing happened. And I mean nothing. Nobody ran a light. It was just a small community. But coming out of the academy and you're dealing with an over... You get a call for an overdose. You get a call for somebody... Uh, robbery possibly involved right. with it and those things. Um, what is their reaction soon after? I mean, is it surprise? Is it? No, I, I mean, I think they have just come out of the academy. They've spent 32 weeks learning about what the job is going to be like. And our training staff is phenomenal. We have incredible, dedicated officers who want the new generation to be well-trained and to be able to serve the community well. Um, but I also think... You can sit and learn about it in a classroom all day long, but until you Ooh, see the person, meets the road. yeah, until <laughs> you on. see the person who's yeah. you know foaming at the mouth, and it's like, okay, grab the Narcan, right? right. And, and I brought that up on one of our shows about the Narcan because I said I don't know. I mean, I guess your instincts take over. I mean, you roll up Training. on this cat, and I'm saying, you know, and there he is, ODing, and and our and officers, and this is something else that I get the benefit of with the. With the body camera footage, is I can go review that, ah. and I, and we have deployed. I think I got the numbers. Did his was, homework. Came, yep, prepared. came prepared. AJ Ficaro's on there. AJ Ficaro, Warriors Project, Canton, Ohio. Love you, man. So so far this year, we have deployed Narcan eighty three times. Just this year that's, alone. That's that's Lexington City Police Department. Up to now, we've deployed it eighty three times. Central sector has deployed it. 40 of those times. Wow. And that's not including like a uh, an EMT gets that's, on the scene. That, this is officers deploying it. This oh, is yeah. not, yeah, this is just us. Right. And oftentimes the fire department beats us there and they're deploying Narcan already. Exactly. It's exactly. Not, yeah, it's not the janitor at the gas station that sees you OD. This is just the officer's report. Yeah, this is one. That's, wow. That's just us deploying Narcan. And every officer carries it. I have it in my car. And the reality for officers now also is so an officer may be searching someone and finds a piece of paper and opens it up. And so officers are carrying Narcan now also not just if we find someone, but also – if they're exposed themselves, so or was narcotic. That the car fentanyl that was doing that. All, all of it, okay, any right. of the heroin, the car fentanyl, the fentanyl. The, yeah, that's a scary a thing to think. Well, no, that just was... something you touch in the, in the line of work could what? just knock you out. Or it's it, a powder. You're standing on the side of the road, and there's a breeze, and it blows on you. There have been we've had officers that have had to have been hospitalized. You're local, mm-hmm. Fayette County, absolutely. Wow. And wow. so th- because of being exposed to it, because because it can also be someone who's a fentanyl user mm-hmm. can have an amount of fentanyl just kind of in their space. One of them was right. a purse. There was so much fentanyl residue in this woman's purse oh, that wow. when the officer opened the purse to search it, there was enough in the purse that while it didn't impact the woman because she was a pretty regular user right, of right. opiates, Tolerance is built up. but the officer ended up having to go get checked out. Mm. You know, it's crazy that this, these substances that could wreck you with touch are, I mean, it, it's almost like you're dealing with anthrax in, Well, mostly, in a way. Well, it's also for, for the officers, it generally hasn't been 
through the bloodstream, it's been inhaled, that it was right. atomized. Right. There, so. No. But so so that's the 40-some-odd uh, from your section. For just central sector. For s- central sector so far this year. And how many of those led to, I, I mean, do you have... You, you know, I don't have the numbers for... Generally, when we're when we're getting fentanyl in them, they're surviving. We're we ha- we very rarely are administering it, and then the person isn't recovering. Yeah. So, but we are we are showing up. Yeah. A lot to folks who have died as a result of their mm. overdose. And have you given that yourself? Have I deployed yes. Narcan? Yeah. No. At, at this stage in the game, I generally the biggest risk for me is if they can expose me to it through an email or the generation of a spreadsheet. But, um, <laughs> you, I, you rock the spreadsheets, right? I'm, I'm, I'm getting better and better. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, I mean, uh, as far as uh, the consequences um, for the dealers. So the, the Kentucky has increased some of the penalties for trafficking in heroin and fentanyl. Those penalties are increasing. And then also... The United States Attorney's Office has stepped up their prosecution of trafficking where the drug that was sold led to a serious physical injury or death. So there I have is, seen that. Yeah. There is no state charge for that. There is no – in the Kentucky statutes, there's no charge if I sell you heroin and, and you die as a result of the heroin. But the United States Attorney's Office does have that, and they are prosecuting those aggressively. And wow. those penalties – are significant penalties. Well, I mean, and a lot of times I know me, you know, um, you come, okay, you come up to me looking for some dope. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to get it for you because I know I'm going to get some, uh, you know, right. just being an addict and you could, catch you're going to get your bump off of it. Right. Right. And then that's all it's for. It's not for any, uh, you know, financial gain. It's just to get me some dope. And then I, and I get it for you and you die. Wow. That's this a, that's, is, that's a tough one because that, no, no, because I mean, of the penalties to me like not using that's like why would I want to mess with that and have my life you know end up being thrown away uh, or throwing my life away uh, the tough thing is is yeah when you're in the you, thick I of the madness no what and no, addicts like me right and if you're selling I mean. No, I'm not talking about me selling. I'm just talking. about I know where to get it. Right, you're the rich kid. You show up in our town. And, you know, that's where you can cop some dope. Well, I know the dope, man, which won't sell to you, so I'm a runner. You've seen it East End. Sure. It happens all the I mean, that's how it goes, you know. Yeah. The dope boy sets back in, you know, wherever, and he has these runners and, and breaks them off, feeds them, you know, bread, you know, uh, bird feeds them, and they're doing all the legwork, and they're doing all the jail time. <laughs> right. No, that's absolutely true. Well, that's how it goes, you know. And it, it, I guess where I'm coming from is just, like, I start to think back to – the late 80s or 80s, 90s, and crack. Sure. And the penalties that were there for crack, and they did lock up a lot of people uh, for serious amounts of time. It's just, I don't, and I'm not saying I know where the line is or I know the balance. I know you need enforcement and I know you need uh, laws and these things. It's just, it's a tough one trying to find the balance of what does detract people from selling this sure, and doing this and... What catches people that are maybe addicts? And uh, I don't know. I don't know the answer. No, no, no. I, I, and I do think that that is a difficult question. I mean, it's the the age-old story of why would the kid work at McDonald's making what's minimum wage now? 
Seven something, I think. No, no, it's more than that. Oh, yeah, I think it's more it? than that. <laughs> Where are you at, Dal? So <laughs> peeing his cup. <laughs> but yeah, so the kid making say eight bucks an hour at McDonald's, nine right. bucks, ten bucks. I'm sure someone on the internet's will. Somebody let us give know us what a clue. What's minimum wage, y'all? But so why would I do that when I could go over here and hang out with folks that I know and make a lot more money and support a family and and doing something that is going to be done anyway? Chris Rock had the old line, you don't have to sell crack, crack sells itself. Ooh. Right? I mean, so... Your product, yeah, product no, sells itself, and, true. And when you're talking about stiffer penalties, mm. what you're hoping is, what I believe legislators are hoping, is that this stiffer penalty will act as a deterrent. But the fact is, yeah. no one commits a crime when they think they're going to get caught. They're going to wait to commit it when they think they're not going to get caught. So the penalty isn't really in the calculus of decision-making because, well, I'm not going to get caught. Why do I care what the penalty is? Right. So we're not thinking about the consequences. And and then you're talking about, let's talk about the kids. You're Mm. 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. I mean, the stuff. I'm lucky I made it through without anything happening. No, I mean, I, I feel like I started making reasonable decisions when I turned 43. <laughs> right, right. And that was only because of a so series true. of failures that you finally learn. Oh, Lessons, not th- this is going to stick with you. <laughs> right. You know, right. And, and when right. you're 18 years old, you go to jail and there's no real significant penalty. So that kid's never going to look at, hey, if you do this again, you're going to go to prison for 40 years. Well, that's never going to come into that kid's head. Yeah, and now with some of these I mean, the U.S. attorney's cases, I mean, they're charging them with essentially murder. murder yeah, and some of these yeah. folks are getting life sentences. Yeah. And, and I get it because on the other on the other side, you have a family that is like what? And especially if it's the case where it's, uh, you know, my my son's in school and he got this. He wasn't a daily user. He went to a party and he ended up dying from this uh, loaded stuff or it doesn't matter. Maybe they're they've always been a junkie, but it's your child. And you kind of want somebody to, to stand. Pay. Yeah, you do. But I, the thing that is interesting for me, and this was for me in my own kind of perception of it all. So when I moved here in 95, I rock climbed a whole bunch. I had an uncle who did a bunch of mountaineering, and I did a bunch of rock climbing growing up. And I rock climbed for a long time. And then I kind of quit, and then I started climbing again. And last summer, I went to visit a friend in Colorado, and we were in these canyons and we were going to go do some rock climbing. And we did some rock climbing that was more risky than I had done in 10 years, easily. And you hadn't warmed up to this? Well, no, yeah, we we're just, come on, it'll <laughs> just be fun. Like, I still got it. Yeah, I still yeah, got yeah. it. I'm well, in good shape over here. So we go into this canyon where some of the rock was loose. Mm. And there was another party climbing on this area above us. And really, we probably should have had helmets. Yeah. Well, and we did it, think? and we stood there and said, "Ah, we'll be fine." Mm. I don't want. I don't want to. Yeah, we're here. We're, we're here. here. We're going to do it. It'll be fun. Yeah. And we made a conscious decision to go do this. To go do this route. Had a rock been kicked off, and had I been hit in the head, would anyone have called me a victim of rock climbing? No, 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 you'd no. no they, uh, your your sanity would have been called yeah. into question. You're... Okay, and yet we say overdose victims. We do, oh. but and, and it's so the power of choice. You know, being an addict. Well, but uh, but I but had but I you did had, you and had I didn't. Have, okay. I was being motivated 
by things that other people would say were terrible motivations. Well, why would you do that in the first place? Well, what do you mean you did that? Well, I wanted to do it because it'd be cool. (laughs) Right. I want to do it because it'd be awesome. And there is a feeling that comes from rock climbing. I will will give you that. And so so that was a choice I made. And so for me, it has been very interesting reconciling some of the discourse, some of the some of the discussions about because I was talking on a community radio show recently that's targeted more to the black community and their big criticism, which I think is a very interesting criticism, is when crack cocaine was destroying the black community. Right. It was a crime issue and you locked everybody up. Right. But now with the opiate epidemic. It's the white issue. And it's, so now, yeah. wow. so now we we're treating it up? as a health issue instead of a crime uh, issue. And and I agree with that. And, and I think that's an interesting it's, point well, to it's make. Inter- it, it, is. It, 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 it is. It is because I, I like the fact that the president would be talking about we need to help and we need to do these things because I've always felt that that's – there, there's something else going on here. And when you look back at the crack epidemic, there was a lot more going on than just, here's this Well, this well right. The response wasn't necessarily uh, a response to people using cocaine as much right. as it was a response to the spike in street crime yeah. that was a function of open air drug markets. And could we go back? I, I would say we do it better. The The problem is, is you can't, <clears throat> going forward, I wouldn't, I wouldn't not help an opiate addict because we didn't do the greatest job with a, with a crack addict. It's, it's, yeah, right. It's also it's, okay to say we've learned. It, it, absolutely. That, that we're trying absolutely. to learn from our mistakes and from the failures yeah. of the Omnibus Crime Act. That's a, that's a, that's a tough question right there. I mean, because... Uh, I don't know. There's no reason to be defensive. It, it, it was what it was. It, it, and I think also the other real difference, if you want to parse down to it, let's parse, let's parse is, down to it. is ha- nobody really, in any real significant number, dies from a cocaine overdose. True. That, and, and the and, money and, and, think, and the tax that pay, is true. It's, it's cost a lot more money for the Narcan, right? Well, right. So that's the other thing, the other critique I hear from folks about the law enforcement or the social services response is not just the cost of Narcan, but someone has made a choice. They have overdosed. We get the call. We get the 911 call. We generally deploy two officers and a fire department ambulance. And they're tied up with that person for, let's call it 30 minutes to an hour. Right. If not, two hours. So that's happening at Broadway and Loudon at that Thornton's there. Okay. Someone ODs there. Now let's say your wife's driving it on new circle and gets T-boned at Ooh, new circle and Broadway. Yeah. yeah. Where's the ambulance coming from? Busy over here with this guy. It's not coming from the closest. Can. Let's say your wife has her purse stolen. Where does the officer come from? And I think that is another thing that is a much bigger difference between how the community is responding to the opiate epidemic versus how it did the crack cocaine epidemic and how communities are being forced to address it. It's a person overdosing in the bathroom at Applebee's. Yeah. And that's not something that we saw during the cocaine epidemic. Yeah. Yeah. It is. I mean, it it is is a big difference, you know. 
Gosh, you know, I love uh, the the background that you bring to it because You're I think amazed. I think a lot of times we want to just bring a simple solution it's out there. It. So like when well, Andrew asked it's... in the beginning, and we've asked people before, if you had a magic wand, what would you do? And and it's like, uh, uh, you know, I don't know. There there's so many there's complex issues of of do you use medication to get somebody off or is it just 12 step and and all these complicated things where it comes down to the hours that an officer is spending on right, this right. it's just it, sometimes it feels like it's hopeless right and, and and you know because i do i you know uh i spend a lot of time talking to uh people that want help because none of us want to be like that right I, I, you know i got so the last time i was locked up all i could do was cry all this shame this pain this guilt that i had kept stuffing and not to feel this, I'd do more dope. And it comes ahead, I, I'd had enough, you know? And uh, and, what, and, I t- and again, I talk to a lot of people that, that want help but don't know how to get it, you know? Uh, it's, it, it, it's, I don't know. I really don't. No, I, I mean, it is, not, it is not a simple problem. And I think, I, I think it's like so many of these issues in America today, however, you know, however corny you want to put it, but it's... There aren't discussions and people aren't sitting down. And, and the thing that I can't remember, we said it on the radio. I mean, it's like when someone calls 911, we show up and folks expect us to fix it. Right. But what all went wrong? Right. What right. forces in society were at play? What services, what institutions were at play in this person's life well, you have to the for the last 30 years that didn't work mm. that got to the point where someone is robbing the Thorntons to make money for their dope or they're right. overdosing on their dope. And now the police show up and folks want us to fix it. Right. Mm. It may be a domestic dispute associated yep. with Absolutely. it and those things. So I, I think you're right. And it's not that people aren't trying. It's you may come on a scene and somebody's been to uh, detox 20 times. They've they've tried that. The parents have reached That's... out, spent money. Re- dipped oh, into wow. savings well, that's incredibly to do common, it. The folks who have just gotten out of rehab and then, or just got out of jail or just yeah. were, and then they had the relapse. Well, and, and it says me, in the literature, you know, cause we're quick to forget, uh, uh, you know, the pain, you know, quick to forget that, you know, what it was, you know, it got us locked up. We forget all that. <laughs> I'm right back out, right. And, you know? Yeah. But, but no, the overdoses we get from folks who haven't used for a bit, Mm. And then they're using another amount. So they are folks who have been trying and they had a misstep and that misstep. That's, that's a good point. I mean, the number of people that we see who it was either a fatal overdose or they were able to be pulled from it, who had just gotten out of rehab, were on their way to rehab who, yeah, no, I mean, it's, yeah. So how, how do you, how do your officers, uh, is there any kind of, are you trying any kind of prevention while you're out on the streets, as you're patrolling, I mean, are you going into areas where you know that dealing's going on, trying to be a face? I, I don't know if there's anything that, any ways that you're trying to dissuade. Or... So, so we do, we do as much community outreach as we can. As the chief always says, if you invite us to your organization, we'll have an officer there. Awesome. Period. That's it. Uh, that, um, yeah. But we were in the schools reading to kids. We are at the parks doing what we can. We have officers who are so the the big thing we have to deal with is nine one one calls. Right. We have Number to have officers yep. responding to nine one one calls. 
And like anything in the public sector, we are always going to have just enough resources not to break. Because in the public sector, it's the thing that breaks that gets more funding. Right. So you're always kept right where you're about to break and getting more funding to kind of deal with that. And so the vast majority of patrol officers spend their night going, as we say, call to call to call to call to call, that there are always more calls waiting than we have officers available to dispatch to it. But what we have done is pulled officers from that and said, you're a neighborhood officer. And taking neighborhood officers who aren't tied to the radio, who are given the flexibility to, to come up with solutions, hmm. to come up and work with things. And Don Dunn, uh, Don Dunn, Ryan Holland, and Eddie Thurman are the central sector neighborhood officers. And their goal is doing that outreach, doing as much stuff as we can. And they also have the flexibility to pull some officers. We, I mean, but we have our Community Services Bureau. We have um, our downtown entertainment district folks who are out there getting to know the folks who, right. are, who are serenity users and getting out there. And our Good folks. old serenity. How's that working out? It's um, <laughs> Good it's, Lord. I mean, and I didn't mean to cut you no, off. No, no, you're change. fine. You're fine. But no, I, when I was locked up again the last time, I mean, they were coming in there and they were having major withdrawals from that stuff. Yeah. No, it that's bad news. That's bad news. It really is. I, one guy's freaking out. You know, I'm like, what's going on, bro? Uh, you know, I yeah. thought he was on H. I thought he was a heroin user. No, man, I need some Ren Ren. I'm like, who? What? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, you have to know so many drugs and, and yeah. all of those things. I like to hear that. So are they, these neighborhood officers, are they like coming up with ideas as far as what they want to do and, and pitching those to and, you? Absolutely. And a lot of it is pooling resources, like finding someone who is in a house and the house needs help. Mm -hmm. And then pulling in different, because there are so many other community partners that are out there that have resources that we can right. kind of get those folks involved. And if we have, um, yeah, I mean, uh, there's, okay. We're talking about resources, correct? Yep. I'm sorry. I've been, uh, do it, but no. Uh, so, you know, Lawrenceburg it, it, is has, this, this divided attention condition <laughs> I hear I'm from people who are on social media. <laughs> right, all the time. Trying, yeah. Well, we got a, we got a, we got a few Larry uh, McCoy's on there, Dale Sanders. You don't quite look um, like a millennial, but you seem to act like one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, but no, you know, the nonprofits, we have Stop Permanent Lexington, got a lot of resources. Yep. Uh, Anderson County's got the Heroes Group, a great bunch of people. Uh, Woodford's got a couple of them, uh, Raw Raising Awareness, Woodford County. Uh, there's all kinds of different resources, you know, for treatment. Yeah. And, uh, and we also partner with groups that not just the user side, but the dealer side. Wow. Partnering with groups to get work for folks. Uh, Chief Barnard has been very supportive of some of the felony expungement initiatives, awesome. getting folks where, because you know, giving somebody another path and especially some of the kids that we see that are out doing a lot of the trafficking, giving them another opportunity. And really? So how does that work? I, I'm dealing and I'm 19, 18, 18, 18, yeah, it's younger. 19, 19. And you're saying, you're saying I see the road you're going down and this is, it doesn't end and, pretty here. And so what we have, but let's get you something folks else we have in the community because you're an 18 year old kid in the East End, and I come and try and be a mentor to you. Right. That's. Let's be honest. So I that, don't like you. We call we call, we call it Big Blue Brothers. Big. How does that work? <laughs> but so, but what we have are folks in the community that we can find out who this kid is uh -huh. and get them with it. And 
it's like it's like the what anybody who's ever worked in homicide knows. We don't solve murders. We don't we don't solve them. We work with the community to find out what took place and try and identify what happened in that situation. And it's hmm. the same thing with dealing with drugs. We can't stop drug dealing. So I arrest a drug dealer. Oh, there's nobody else who wants to deal drugs. We did it. We got them all. <laughs> right, right, no, right. I mean, it's ludicrous. It's, or yeah, or right. I, I get that one last heroin user. Great. That's the last one. <laughs> and now they'll quit selling because no one, you know, no, we can't do it. We have to partner with organizations. And we do every day with stop the violence organizations with, um, we work with a group called Natalie Sisters that's all about helping women who have turned to the sex trade to support addiction. Wow, I saw to, something like that. To, on, to work with edge. them. But we put, I mean, every church we work with, we have stop the violence days. We have come out and meet the police days. We, Because we also believe that it's not your job to trust us. It's our right. job to build it. Amen. Man, no, those all sound. It's sometimes you just think the police are out there. They're a a faceless person in a car. Well, sure, that is looking for my lights to be kicked out. It's called a uniform for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's true. I guess it doesn't work that way. Maybe if you guys just wore like uh, black short shorts, not short shorts. We don't want that. Uh, (laughs) I'm thinking of the '80s, (laughs) John Stockton. So what uh, you had some other stats with you on we had deaths. Uh, did you have that stat on there? I do, I do. As far as uh, where are, Lexington these is stacked are opiate, up, opiate overdoses. Do we want to ask and see? Does anyone have uh, what are your guesses as far as Lexington opiate overdoses? Deaths, deaths, opiate deaths, and see if anyone. I I don't know where I would come in. I got, I got 2015, 2016, and then twenty seventeen up through half. Gosh, of what was so, so? When did heroin hit Lexington real tough? It was fifteen, uh, right? 14 maybe when it started because we were going to cincinnati and bringing back right yeah. right so you think 14 uh, you think yeah, 15? well the, the uh, yeah it, it was about 14 because 12 we still had the little the percocets yeah and, the yeah, p3s and we were sure. shooting those right yeah, yeah. right the uh pill mills from florida yeah. right okay so you're thinking so 2015 is when i've got a complete number okay. for opiate deaths. overdoses these are deaths Okay. Uh, Rachel says 2017-56. She's uh, got the internet. I don't Rachel? know if she... <laughs> she's from Louisville. She's, yeah, she's a Louisville fan. I love you. Love so you, where Rachel. do we stand, Matt? That's so 2015 girl. was 93. 93. Uh, 50, 2016 was 118. Mm. And so now you got to guess what we're up to for half a September. Okay, so we, how many did we go up off yeah, that? Yeah, what do we have? Ninety-three to one eighteen. We've got two months left, and I'm wondering if 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 uh, if well, overdoses actually, go well, in seasonal. This will actually be three and a half months. Okay, so three and a half that we're I've got short. Half September. Gosh. And and here's the other yeah. thing to think about, which I think, you know, we won't know till the numbers come in for a while. One of the things that, and I'll tie this back in. One of the things that's been really interesting to to me is how much the Iraq and Afghanistan wars improved medical procedures for gunshot wounds. You had more people with uh, with lost limbs, but not deaths. Right. And so... Very true. When I was in homicide and I was there from 02 to um, 2012, wow. 
was when the run when I was in homicide. And when I started in homicide, we what they would say, you would always want to know someone's condition. They got shot. They were taken to the hospital. Right. And you say, okay, how are they doing? And when you would hear they cracked the chest, which mm. means they cut this yes. person's chest oh. open, that meant they were dead. Mm. They weren't going to live. By the time I left homicide, I had a guy who had a bullet go through one chamber of his heart and shred a lung, and he was home in three days, wow. showering by himself. Wow. And now what we have— Sure he wasn't on PCP. Yeah, no, he was—but <laughs> um, now every officer carries a gunshot trauma kit in their car that ah. has—like one of the big things was a tourniquet. Like, did you ever go through the Boy Scouts? Yes. When do you put a tourniquet on? Uh, when when blood's showing up. When well, so <laughs> what you were taught as a Boy Scout was the, last resort. Sorry is it was the last resort for a tourniquet. You do direct pressure, then you do this. And now the very first thing you do is put a tourniquet on as close to the torso as possible because of the improvements in vascular surgery. Hmm. So we're having all over the country, there are more shootings, but murders aren't rising commensurately with it because the improvements in medical care. So what that I, makes sense. So what I think is going to be interesting is when we look at what our overdose deaths, so overdose deaths are for this year compared to last year, I don't necessarily think that that by itself will be a good way to gauge the scope of heroin or fentanyl or opiate use here in town, because what we're not getting is the folks who would have died but for Narcan. Narcan. You're right. And now that every officer has Narcan, because every officer didn't have Narcan through all of 2016. So we are up to 80 for halfway through September, is 80 opiate overdose deaths. But we also, yeah, the police have administered uh, Narcan about 80 times. Right, So right. would that have been 160 deaths? Would we right, already at point, be already, at 160? Yeah. And I, I think it will be interesting, and I'm sure someone will yeah. do a research project with the health department or something to look at that to try and really get an assessment for how, because I mean, ultimately that's what you want to do is you want to make yeah. that, make an assessment of how are we doing as a community? So Narcan wasn't being used consistently in 2015. No. So that was just like rush them here and try traditional yes. means of or, resuscitating. Or the them. fire department would have the Narcan. So. All right, my bad. <laughs> he gets on me for that. All right, we got a guess, a guesstimate by Rachel Savage. She's saying 170. No, you threw it out. 80. Yeah, yeah. 80, 80. is what we're at so far. She but, doubled up. But that number, but do you understand yeah, why, right. though? But, you but know, see, but he, here's what I think she's thinking about is, okay, so if we look at that that increase, yeah. but the deaths, I mean, it's difficult for us to say how many overdoses right. were there and how many people now, because we're finding folks also who have Narcan. But, but look The taxi at, driver, right? Right, I right. mean, the guy in the yeah. shoot house. Uh, and sadly, sometimes when a number gets larger, it desensitizes you more in, in a sense. And I'm just trying to think if I, to this point, had gone to 80 funerals wow. this year, 
Wow. What would what would a I mean I I would have I'd be massively depressed if you I'd gone to mess. all of these to see that I mean that's real people where it's, there was a funeral yeah. it's real kids and, and real people daughters, love real them parents. Yep. and those things and that's in a community here and that's and that's something where if we had eighty I don't know what our deaths for uh, for car accidents in the same period of time is. Because uh, you know that's be, one of those things where, 50. where we massively dropped it down with right. seatbelts and airbags and speed limits, speed limits and, and better car Traffic safety enforcement. All yeah. of those things have brought it down to where more people are dying from overdoses. Oh, right, but you know with accidents. the Narcan, like you said, uh, Tanya Minks with Stop Heroin Lexington, she goes to around everywhere. Uh, you know, write the grants to get to get the right. Narcan, and uh, like again, the Heroes Group out of Anderson County. Uh, most of their members carry it, uh, you know. Uh, no, I mean, folks can go buy it at the drugstore. Pan. Right, right. I, so what would these numbers be without the introduction of Narcan? Right, wow. Yeah, and some people, some people would have thrown it out there that that would be a better solution and let it burn out that way, you know, is is uh, if you just, and obviously I'm not of that opinion, but it's sad when you hear something where there's this lack of compassion Right. That is well. That's too bad. They're using well, they but, but I would also argue, and yes. you know, you and I have talked about having discussions and opposing sides. I think yes. talking about a lack of compassion that may, in a sense, be dehumanizing the other side of that that's argument. That's true. That's right. true. Well, like that's you a said good point. earlier, your wife is on her way. That's right? a good point. She gets right. in the wreck. Well, the ambulance is busy over with a kid that just OD'd at Thornton's. So I mean, and 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 time matters. Right, right. It's it's pretty deep. No, no. no I, 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 it, I, it is a difficult issue. Now, we as an agency have certainly, you know, we are. We get called to someone. We're going to take every step we can to save them. I mean, that's amen. a responsibility we right. have as an agency. Right. Well, you that's up. not something, you know, that we are going to take a stance that we're not. But there have been other municipalities that are finding the cost to be prohibitive. And that, yeah, definitely a frustration. And if you're looking at all the hours, I don't know, do you guys break down your hours as far as what you spend your time doing? Like so a you, log, like a so truck driver? Almost at the end of the year, you could say it costs this many dollars to We collect those numbers. I don't know of anybody's part. So an officer gets dispatched to a call, that starts a clock right? until that officer then gets on the radio and says, I'm no longer on this call. And those calls are coded by type of call. Okay. So that is something that we certainly could do. It would be getting in the weeds on some of the data because the call call is just going to come in as a person down. So that could be someone who's a drunk. It could be serenity. It could be a medical episode. So yeah, so we could pull all those calls. Then someone would have to then sort them. Mm, wow. that, and we could do that. I mean, we could pull pull the it. information. It just it's one of those tedious social science research jobs. Absolutely, right. some student at UK right. in statistics. Yep. You know, but it's you bring up a very good point that there are multiple sides of it. It's a complicated issue. It's not as easy as saying somebody has a lack of compassion. It's, it is deeper than that because my experience, uh, I might not feel like I've been touched in an obvious way with a a drug user. I, to this date have not had something that I know of stolen, but at that point that that happens, that probably jades me a little bit if I know that it was stolen 
for that purpose. Well, I that's frustrating. About, I talked about um, the woman who was walking on Jefferson Street. Right, right. And she stepped on a needle that oh. had been discarded from a car. And here's a person walking, minding her own business, and someone had discarded a needle with blood in it. It punctured her shoe, punctured her foot, and she now has to. I mean, let's. I mean, who cares about the money? Although I think it's going to end up costing her about two grand total in the prophylaxis, but going to the ER and wondering, okay, do I have AIDS and hepatitis now? And so I do think it is, it is a complicated issue also because of the people who have been victimized by folks who are committing crimes to support their habit. Yeah. And that's the, you know, the burglaries. I mean, the burglaries oh, yeah. that we deal with. And Gosh, I, my eyes have been open since I joined Nextdoor, the uh, right, app. Right. I don't know if right, you know about right. that oh, one. Yeah. I'm like, holy cow, there's like everyone's breaking into cars in my area. You know, and yeah. I thought, I thought, I, I was like, oh, no, it's not happening around here. It's is, happening is everywhere. Is still bad at UK but, games? <laughs> we are always working and allocating resources to <laughs> deal with any threats to the yeah. public. <laughs> hey, guys, if you're just tuning in, check it out. Uh, we got Lieutenant Brotherington on here tonight. He's uh, he's uh, came in to share, man, and it's uh, truly honored to have you here tonight. No, it's again. my it's my pleasure to be here. We, you know, it's um, something Chief Barnard says all the time, and I certainly will as well. We're your police department, and so we're here for you. There's one comment in here that I think kind of sums up a lot of this, and it's Dale Sanders. He said, wish my son had Narcan used on him. I visit his grave now. Yeah. You know, and that's really what what the issue is. It comes down to people, and it's not a simple solution, and there are tools out there. I can't wrap my head around that. I mean, I can't. When I have been in a position dealing with folks who've lost children, there's nothing I can say to that. Nothing. There's nothing. There, I mean, it's just, it's not something I can even begin to wrap my head around and understand their loss and how they're going to move forward or not move forward. Right. And so it's, no, I mean, it, it is. I mean, I can, yeah, I can look at numbers, but this this four pages of spreadsheet that I have, there are no names on here. And these are all a name. This is all a person who, yeah, and families who have, you know, and I've certainly been touched by people that I was close with who were, you know, dealing with addiction and dealing with recovery and substance abuse. And it was brutalizing as a person, you know, the betrayal that I felt. Right, right. Through that. Betrayal, Um, yes. And. Still owe you money, your buddies do. (laughs) And so, but but no, it is, it, it is difficult and I don't. I mean, nobody, obviously nobody has the answer yet, right? right? Or else they're waiting for some way to put a copyright on it. <laughs> you know, but, but it's sad, and, and I it can't say But I, I think it does make a—for um, I, I, me, it's, it's been a benefit to get within inside the community and to try to open my eyes and to see and, and further the conversation— about what's going on out there right. and what can be done. And, and I, I think that you've, uh, you've enlightened me tonight about, awesome. one, the seriousness about it, the, the, the police perspective, officer perspective, and the things that you do every day. And, uh, no, we do appreciate it. When Man, we first, um, thank you. 
no, no, yeah. it's my pleasure. Are you finally going to call me Matt, or are you <laughs> yeah, still going to keep? You Matt, yes, you're still going to keep calling <laughs> no, me Lieutenant and mispronouncing my last name. I know, right? I, All right. I, I mispronounce it. <laughs> no, I was working every on time, it. every time, every time. No, for real, we're, we're honored, man. No, no, it's uh, no, it's yeah, it's it's my honor for y'all to allow uh, us to be on here. Thank you. Just to break it down, what, what's our time like? We're, we're at the there? end. We're at the end, Andrew. Why don't you take us out? Uh, check it out, man. Thank each and every one of you guys for uh, you know riding it out with us. Uh, it takes every one of us the unity in this thing. And if you want help, man, reach out. Let's get it. Uh, and again, man, let's keep doing what we're doing. We're living today. Invite God in in everything you do. Huh? What? It gets better. Definitely. Thank you, guys. Love you. <laughs>